Upbringing, we're Hannah and Kelty, twins, mothers, and works in progress. Upbringing is a movement that empowers parents to grow up alongside their kids for sanity and social change. Through this podcast, speaking and coaching, we focus on our personal work as parents, the awareness, intention, and approach needed to raise amazing humans while we also get some shit done. Join us to radically redefine kids' resistance as an opportunity to nurture skills and values like consent, nonviolent communication, emotional intelligence, body positivity, and respect. We attempt this by practicing powers beyond control, evidence-based tools that protect our kids' personal freedoms, support their skill building, and better align with how we roll as people. To us, this is the practice of parenting, when we can choose trust over fear, connection over control, and progress over perfection. We're not just raising our kids, we're raising ourselves. Let's show up and grow up. I'm Hannah, this is Kelty, we're upbringing. We're here for our live Q&A, where we talk about how to use powers beyond control in our parenting what we call sanity and social change. And today we're specifically talking about stress behaviors or misbehavior or stress behaviors or misbehavior. Is there a difference? No, but I think all of us are under a lot of stress right now from normal work, family, Mm -hmm. life stuff and greater world issues. And I think this is going to factor in a lot to our conversation tonight. How do we reduce the stress logistically, environmentally, relationally? How do we consider the environment how do we tune into our bodies to just based on what's happening right now? Mm-hmm. It's a lot. It's a Those lot. of you who are joining us on Instagram, let us know what types of behaviors your kids have been showing you recently that are really mm-hmm. tricky to manage. We can talk about our own behaviors after, but I like focusing on the behaviors that our kids are showing us that are really difficult sometimes to support. Those ones that feel wrong, they feel like misbehavior, they feel pathological, they feel worrisome. And we're going to talk about tonight why um, those behaviors are actually incredibly natural, normal, necessary. They're Mm -hmm. adaptive strategies our kids use. And there are ways that we can support them through connection instead of control that can actually get to the root cause of those behaviors, support our kids from the inside out. I think this might be a big leap for a lot of people listening, even being like, what? So misbehavior is stress behavior. Like, what do you mean? So yelling, lying physical aggression, Mm. um, resisting, defiance, Mm -hmm. opposition, meanness, rudeness, um, avoidance, not listening. Mm -hmm. All of those things are stress, Mm -hmm. manifestations of stress. Like what? I think that's hard for us to think about when we see them in our kids because we look at the behaviors, we try Mm -hmm. to make meaning. We're like shame, blame them or us. But I think if we think about it from a personal perspective, I think that can be really helpful. Mm-hmm. Think about when we misbehave as adults to our partners, to you know, um, when we're extra pokey, extra prickly, extra controlling, extra clingy, right? Mm-hmm. Why do you think those things happen? If we've noticed ourselves and built some awareness around it, I've definitely identified that it's usually because I'm feeling stress. Rarely do I control people and treat people poorly when I'm feeling really safe in my body, secure in my environment, happy about my life. Mm-hmm. It's usually when I'm feeling like shit that I don't behave so well. When I don't feel well, I don't do well. And so mm-hmm. I'd like to, to apply that same personalized, um, kind of grace-filled understanding. And it's, it's totally neurodevelopmental that this would happen. Mm-hmm. Let's apply this to our kids who have an even smaller prefrontal cortex, who have an even 
um, less uh, kind of anchored and um, refined nervous system and self-regulation process, right? Mm -hmm. We've got to cut them a little slack here. And that's what we want to talk about tonight is how to do that. Yeah. Someone shared my 10 year old yells at my four year old when he's whining in the car, she wears headphones, but she's still triggered by noise. She's really mean to him. And then I go off to mm -hmm. it's, a no-win no situation. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my I, gosh. I, I can absolutely relate to those car yeah. situations um, and those moments when our kids are maxed and just need to insulate. Headphones, I'm sure, help to a degree, but they struggle with one another. And that's something we can bring up tonight too. Hey, Celine. Mm -hmm. Is how to support siblings who are struggling with one another. And each has a different stress behavior and they poke each other and they mm -hmm. retaliate and all of those things. But I want to say it's something we also talk about in the Upbringing Collective membership community. Yeah. And we've got like two days left to enroll at the Founders Rate, which is pretty awesome. It's our one year anniversary in the community of amazing human beings from around the world connecting with us, each other, and their kids in this radical, compassionate, skill building, research based, consent informed that's backwards, shame-free <laughs> way. Yeah. So that's what we're doing here. So I just want to say a couple more days to enter our membership community at the Founders <clears> Rate, <throat> which is like mm -hmm. a, a real big sale. Yeah. So I just wanted to plug that really quick. Thank you for doing that, Gabafi. So also, um, for those of you who are rolling in right now, we're talking about stress behaviors. Let us know what behaviors your kids are showing you that are really tricky to manage. The whiny, the clingy, the avoidant, the resistant, the physically aggressive, the verbally aggressive, all of those things we're reframing tonight to say, these are so normal for kids and humans to do when they're maxed, when their capacity is maxed. And I love a um, person who shared here about your kids um, struggling in the car, mm -hmm. that you really can clearly relate your daughter's stress response and yelling and mean words to their sibling because, uh, due to a nervous system that's overwhelmed by the yelling that's happening, right? And that the noise it's like is sound happening. triggered, right? It's sound triggered. Mm -hmm. and we can't always see that direct um, kind of correlation between, you know, um, input or, or some sort of environmental trigger and then child's nervous system response. But very often we can. Mm -hmm. We also think of it as just an accumulation of a lot of stressors that then cause an explosion. Like that happens to us as well, right? Tell us about a time that's happened to you recently. I'm going to sidestep that for the moment <laughs> and go to what you've also mentioned. Um, a uh, person who shared here, thank you so much. Um, you, you also mentioned the idea of how stress is contagious, right? How stress gets passed on. Mm -hmm. And so much about what we want to talk about tonight and what we talk about in our Upbringing Collective is the idea that we don't have to pass that stress on. When our kids are experiencing stress in a moment and they're aggressive or rude or whiny or clingy or all those things, the stress can stop with them. It doesn't have to, to get passed on by us. Or when we're struggling and we're, we're really struggling, we can find ways to self-regulate so that our stress doesn't get passed on to our kids. We'll then pass it on to a partner or a sibling, right? That's true. It's very contagious. More just kind of like big picture too, just that stress yeah. cycle. Yeah. That, that it hops. Yeah. That we can maybe be trying to interrupt that cycle yeah. with nervous system attention, care, it is hard. compassion, mirror neurons, everybody, right? right? They're a real thing and totally it's hard. So something that we talk about with, so first of all, we talk about the reframing our beliefs about, about our kids' behaviors and misbehavior. So any misbehavior you're talking about, like we'd said before, yelling, destructo mode, hurting, mm -hmm. resisting, back talk, whining, pickiness, clinginess, whiny stuff, any of those things. Mm -hmm. 
All of those are a signal to us, so they can be important information to us to let us know that our kids are not feeling secure. They're not feeling secure in their bodies, they're not feeling secure in their environments, they're not feeling secure in their relationship with us. There's something that is insecure, and when things are insecure for a little person or even a, a big person like us, right? We're big people. Mm -hmm. um, we tend to, to, to go from a, a, like a, a measured prefrontal cortex-based response, right? Using our executive functioning. And our bodies go from that parasympathetic state of rest and digest, think and, and figure things out. To Weigh a, options to and a, choices. Right, to a sympathetic response, which is fight, flight, freeze, fawn. Freak our, out. Our nervous systems get a little bit maxed and taxed in those moments. So, mm -hmm. so much about this is just reframing our kids' misbehavior as stress behavior. It allows us to be a little bit more compassionate, a little bit more curious, mm -hmm. and a little bit more creative. Those are our three C's that we bring up in our coaching and in our collective membership. Compassionate, curious, creative. And Instead we, of control, which is right. consequences <laughs> yeah. on my terms, now, threats, rewards, overpower, lectures, shame, blame, spanking, timeouts, criticism, judgment, right. whatever we're all wired to do so naturally. Well, that's our own stress response, I think, is the Love control it. approach, essentially, yeah. right? When we control, it's because we feel so helpless. Mm -hmm. We feel powerless. And so we feel insecure. And so we as parents even have a stress response, mm -hmm. which is conventional parenting, essentially, right? So, mm -hmm. so much about this reframing, like we said. And then let's dive into some examples. Those, any of you who are here who want to talk about how to manage your kid's stress behavior, let's talk about it. What types of stress behavior are your kids showing? I think something that we talk a lot about in our collective is understanding our kids' stress profile and understanding that all of us have, you know, we've got the love languages, like, you know, doing things and touch and uh, words of affirmation, yes. all these things. And Kelty and I are always like, the love languages are so great and they help relationships. But what we actually think could help relationships even more, partner to partner relationships, parent-child relationships, understanding stress languages, not just those mm -hmm. love languages. Or a love so. language during stress languages. <laughs> right? How to like integrate yeah. those, right? Well, like, so what, what is the person help? needing what when they're stressed sure. out? But before <clears throat> we even decide what they need, we have to look at their stress language as a stress language. So some of people, and it's based on, what are those based on? Development, skills, uh, capacity. You know, you probably noticed your kids have their own particular stress language. Some run away and slam doors or run off, right? Others, um, when they're feeling a little simmering stress, they kind of shut down and they like ignore you and pretend you're not talking to them. That's a stress language, right? It's to protect themselves. Some poke back or they whine yeah. or they simmer mm -hmm. or they kind of snippy. They get snippy. I tend to focus on the environment and I'm like, what's this? Why is this still out here? This has been sitting on the counter. This Isn't this yours? Why didn't this go back to whatever it is? So you project your stress onto your environment, which feels out of control. Not on my environment, on the people who I feel in that are moment responsible are responsible for, for the environment. environment. Totally. Yeah. I mean, we all have our different stress language mm -hmm. and our kids might you know you know like little babies cry when they're stressed that is their go-to response to say i feel unsafe and i need support and so they're saying our, it evolves and then our little toddlers maybe they still cry or maybe they cling or maybe they kind of throw themselves on the floor and flop around a little bit right and that's them saying i'm stressed i've reached my max capacity to mm -hmm. handle my environment my body and my relationships and i need support i'm insecure right now help me mm -hmm. 
and then our kids get a little older and those stress behaviors aren't quite so direct and obvious anymore, right? They go from the crying or the, the kind of throwing or the whining type stuff to more aggressive behaviors that are really triggering and stressful to us and harder to manage. That's a lot of the work we do in the collective is with those older age stress behaviors. So when mm -hmm. they're three and four and they're pulling hair and they've got these simmering stress behaviors, it's, not, stuff. it's not a full on meltdown, but it's like things aren't going well inside them, mm -hmm. right? And then our kids get a little older past that, those toddler years, and they start saying things like, I hate you, or I'll never be your, your kid, or I don't want you to be my parent, or I want you to die, like things like that that are intense things. Mm -hmm. They'll, they will, their stress will be manifesting the way that they project it verbally toward us. And right? then maybe even older than that, the verbal kind of mm -hmm. manifestations shift away from us and to environment or mm -hmm. logistics or themselves, right? right? So they might be really hard on themselves and say they hate themselves. Or they're not good at right, or I'm just, I'm right. feeling helpless. Stress behavior. Yeah. Or they might project that onto one another and they might start talking to their mm -hmm. siblings in a certain way or friends in a certain way, mm -hmm. right? So, so much about this is this big reframe to start getting curious about our kids' behaviors and then hold that with compassion that they're doing the best they can in the moment. And then so much about this process that we engage in in our upbringing membership collective, that online community, and in our coaching is saying, how can we get creative about supporting our kids when they're struggling the most rather than adding a punishment, which mm -hmm. increases their stress more. That is one of the least productive things we can do that comes most naturally to most of us is like, make it stop, show them it's not okay. Right? I want to say too, that like based on that instinct. So when our kids are exhibiting these behaviors that are stressing us out and that feel really maladaptive and socially not cool, yelling, hurting, hitting, whining, clinging, any of those demanding, judging, any of those things that we're trying to look at as stress behaviors, how do we kind of reconcile that research wise or science wise? Like, is this just, I feel like some people always come to us and say, mm -hmm. That sounds pansy. That sounds permissive. You're giving them a pass for being an asshole. Right. Like that is not okay to talk to me like that. That is not okay to treat your sibling they like that. To that know. is not okay to hurt me or others. Mm. And I'm going to talk pretty much solely focused on the impact of those actions. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think is going to teach them the best to be quote unquote, a good human. Mm -hmm. Well, what do you say to that, Cal? I was asking you. Oh, well, thank you for, for throwing that, that question my way. But the answer is that it's so normal to wonder that and to think that and to believe that and to hear our partners and our friends mm -hmm. and our in-laws and people in our community. Ask and the little voice things. in our heads. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I think so much about what we bring here to upbringing uh, on Instagram and the podcast and even deeper in our upbringing collective and in our coaching is the research, are the resources that show that the doctors, the psychologists, who bring a neurodevelopmental approach to this, this is not just an idea or a guess or how we think it might be best. Supporting our kids' stress behaviors with getting to the root cause of their behaviors, those, the symptoms, right? Mm -hmm. The deeper needs and feelings at play is what actually supports them in building a nervous system and a self-regulation practice to see them through any type of life stressors in the future. So it ultimately, what we're doing here builds our kids' resilience in a huge way because life is always gonna throw stress at us, right? Our kids are never gonna be able to avoid stress. So what we actually need to do is support them in not avoiding stress their whole lives, 
but in understanding how stress impacts them, how to prepare for it. These are our three P's that we go through, how to show presence and self-regulation in the moment for themselves and others, Mm -hmm. and how to process after to learn from it and plan for next time. So these are the three P's and this is the process that we go through of these strategies that really help. We got to do it first, which is we're all growing up together. So it's not an easy, that's feat. the catch 22, right? There. Right. It's a little tricky, but we work through it with you and you slowly doing it helps your child eventually start doing it. So then when demands come from school or from a friend or a hard day or a tricky nervous system or being sick or any of those things that usually push any child or human over the edge into total dysregulation mode, which mm-hmm. shows up in all these weird behaviors, your kid will know how to manage their stress through the three P's before, during, and after. I think too, <clears throat> I love that you're normalizing this, not just all behaviors are potentially stress behaviors and prioritizing not just relationship, but that attunement to mm-hmm. our kids and our inner wisdom and authority and our nervous system, mm-hmm. connecting us back to our bodies where most of society and the institutions that we take part in are connecting us to our minds and just focusing on this part and not this somatic connection, right? I feel like it's really important. And I think that what we focus on in our coaching and especially in the upbringing collective is the four things that kind of impact a lot of those stress things, the routine, the environment, their nervous system input or needs and our approach to all of those things. Mm -hmm. So those can be obstacles to our kids bodies being regulated. Those can be obstacles to them feeling good and doing well, Mm -hmm. but they can also be the way. So the obstacle is the way in the work that we do here at Upbringing. These four areas are also the keys and the solution to supporting their nervous systems. So what we do in our work with parents um, is that we support them in fine-tuning well, and wait, recalibrating. Well, wait, start with the shit showing. We're like, it's bedtime, all right. of a sudden there's total resistance. Or dinner time, they're up, they're running around, they won't sit at the table, after they're resisting all the food. Mm-hmm. Morning transitions, they can't get out mm-hmm. the door, they won't even get dressed. Or they can't be in the same room with their siblings. So we start with what feels like the crisis, and mm-hmm. is in a lot of homes where people can't get along and get through and just get the things done. And just, so it's common for all of us, right? We start with that first. And yeah. then we start examining as we slowly pull apart mm-hmm. that conflict, whatever it is, and opening up that timeline, like Hannah said, yeah. to the preparation, presence, and, po- and processing moments, mm-hmm. those four things, those four elements that really can impact our kids' stress mm-hmm. and the ways that we show up in the moment and just how the situation plays out. Let's talk this through in a particular situation. So anyone who's here listening right now, feel free to let us know a particular stress behavior or misbehavior, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it, that your kid shows you. And we can kind of walk you through the timeline a little bit. It would be nice to get a couple of examples here of what we do in the Upbringing Collective, uh, what we do in our private coaching, so folks can kind of get an idea about it. But like that. let's mm-hmm. just even say our first example will be, um, we hear this one a lot, is kids who come home from school and uh, it was an okay day, everything seemed fine, mm-hmm. and then they just rage on their siblings, um, and they really struggle to be gentle to like their toddler sibling, their baby sibling, to be gentle with their parent. They just, they, they kick, they hit, they're they rude, throw, they're bossy, right. they won't put their stuff away. They're just a pain, uh, like a pain in so many ways. I don't know if any of you can relate to um, having a child that comes home from school and treats you like hot garbage, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so let's focus on that. Let's talk about that. So that is in the moment we're noticing these things and being like, wow, 
and we're gonna reframe instead of saying this kid is treating me like hot garbage how dare they and we're centering ourselves this in this moment so disrespectful right and yeah, this is like unproductive that. so normal yeah. but let's remember let's get compassionate curious and creative it's compassionate what is going on for this kid they must be suffering so when our kids are acting their worst and treating us the worst it's because they're suffering the most they're feeling the worst. they're struggling the yeah. most in their in their bodies right and in their environment and in their relationship with us to feel safe so let's offer them some compassion right then let's get curious we can get curious ourselves in the moment we can get curious with them but usually mm -hmm. if our kids are pretty dysregulated and stressed they're probably not going to want to necessarily or be able to get curious like use through yes. what like work what could not work in for them and so that's why we can move all of these conversations with the three c's to later in our processing stage of our timeline mm -hmm. but in the moment let's get curious why is my child acting like this after school what the heck is going on what are they needing let's get curious yeah. so what could be some possible things that could impact our kids to lead them to act this way after school or daycare or whatever it is right i think we think of this often when we have babies like mm -hmm. when a baby starts crying we're like are they hungry are they thirsty are they hot are they cold are they tired we go through that kind of question Checklist. box mm -hmm. and i think as our kids age we kind of forget that those same questions still apply. They still have needs that may not be met, that may not be met, that are impacting how they're showing up yeah. in the moment. Yeah. So I think a lot of the conversations we have in the Upbringing Collective, still on sale for a couple more days, and our private coaching practice is thinking about what happened before that, mm -hmm. right? So what have they been ex like experiencing? Right. A lot of it when kids come home from school is what Professionals call restraint collapse. So they've been mm -hmm. holding it together all day. They've been performing and conforming or not so much. And that sucked too because they were being shamed or struggled with sure. siblings or peers or teachers or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And they're just like we are at the end of a workday, often exhausted from the effort, from the focus, from the sitting, from the holding mm -hmm. it together. So that I feel like is one of the chief concerns, which is tangentially co connected to nervous system needs. Mm -hmm. They've been sitting a lot. They haven't gotten to run, breathe in fresh air, Enough. be off a screen, be focusing on whatever they want mm -hmm. quite enough. Maybe they came home and they are hungry. Maybe they came home and they've been sitting for a long time mm -hmm. in the car. Maybe they came home and they're tired mm -hmm. because they were up really early. We had to wake them up because they're going to bed too late. And so they don't have enough sleep. So four o'clock is witching hour for them. Mm -hmm. This is the kind of detective work that we do with you in your particular situation to say, how can we support you in understanding why your child is so stressed in this particular situation right after school when they're melting down and just cannot get through the evening, right? Mm -hmm. What can we do? How can we reduce the demands that are on them throughout the day? And how can we increase their capacity to handle any demands that come towards them, right? So that would be thinking about sleep and, and working on that. We do a lot of sleep conversations mm -hmm. in the Upbringing Collective, right? Because that increases kids' capacity, right? What can we do with the routine where we're alternating, maybe right when they get home, they go and get their nervous systems, you know, um, regulated on the trampoline or a dance party or whatever. Or maybe your child has a nervous system that actually needs quiet time and doesn't need a lot of physical activity right when they get home, but they need cocooning, mm -hmm. right? Every kid's nervous system is so different. Something we do in the Upbringing Collective is really uh, figuring out what type of sensory profile our kids have so that we can uniquely meet those nervous system needs. We can notice that and work that into the routine to support them. I love that. And I just want to pop back into this feeling that a lot of us might have, or a lot of partners we have might, might be saying to us, which is why do we have to cater to them? 
Why do we have to be detectives? Why do we have to figure out the, the perfect environment and temperature and system? How are they going to gonna survive in the world? Like, this is, how is this resilience <laughs> building? This is coddling, right? And I think that mm. so much of the work we do is reframing that into saying we are literally building roots and foundation for our kids to thrive. Mm -hmm. We are finding exactly what they need to be moving into the world with us, slowly without us. Mm -hmm in meeting their own needs so they're not insomniacs, right? People who use um, substances or screens or mm. things to regulate their nervous system, who are attuned to say this environment's not working for me or I need a break and I need to get some fresh air or a workout and my day is vital for my mental health. Mm -hmm. Like these, this is an, like really an, an imperative, super productive investment mm -hmm. in our kids' physical, mental and emotional wellness as they move into the world without us. It's really huge. Yeah. I love that, Kelsey. And I think that we have to keep remembering that as we're supporting our kids' nervous systems and bodies, of course, as the more they feel, the better they feel, the better they'll do. And a lot of those stress behaviors will go away. Our kids don't want to be stressing out <clears throat> and misbehaving. They're mm -hmm. already socialized from a very young age to know that these behaviors, the whining, clinging, lying, resisting, uh, avoiding <clears throat> harming physically mm -hmm. and verbally are not ideal. So when we actually get to the root cause of supporting their nervous systems, those behaviors go away. So we don't have to worry and focus on those. We're focusing on the root causes, the thing that's causing those. Mm -hmm. And then secondly, as we're supporting our kids through the three P's, so preparation, presence, processing, right? Um, and with those three C's that we talk about, that compassion, curiosity, and creativity, we're not just doing it to our kids and then they're going to come out into the real world and be like, wow, this is so hard. We have to keep remembering how kids learn. They learn by doing and they learn by relationship and being done too. And so when we're with. advocating, thank you, when we're advocating for our kids and supporting them in, in recalibrating their own environment, routine, nervous system and approach and relationship to other people, they are learning to do that for themselves. Mm -hmm. So it is literally preparing them for life from a very early age to understand what they need and how to get those needs met that work for other people. Mm -hmm. So pretty awesome. Molly said they learn how to up and down regulate themselves through practicing with us. 100%. Yes. Someone else shared the hardest thing I find is my four-year-old and five-year-old are so different. So our nighttime is a bit messy because trying to meet both <clears throat> kids totally different needs is tricky. Mm -hmm. And I love that that can be a conversation um, now. That is an investment in conversation too. Mm -hmm. Hey, um, is saying all of us in our family have different needs for everything, and we're going to come into conflict with those needs, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. So I have a four-year-old and a five-year-old, and then their needs at bedtime are totally different. How can I be normalizing that? How can I be creating empathy and understanding for for each other's needs? And how can I be problem-solving for how to meet those needs simultaneously? Not to say it's not going to be a challenge, mm -hmm. but even but, just <clears throat> saying, mm -hmm. even just creating a home in which diversity of needs is unconditionally accepted yeah. is huge. And communicated, right? Yeah. It has to be communicated first to then be accepted. And then our attitude about it is what's acceptance. Oh, you like, want this and you want this other thing. Ah, right? Or, oh my gosh, you have these needs and then you have these needs. What can we do to meet those right. needs? So you're running through the three C's, it sounds like, that we do in our membership community. Compassion, competing needs, totally normal. You, this, 100%. You, this, totally get, I it, get too. it. My four-year-old wants to hold me and have me be lying with them all like through bedtime. My five-year-old wants stories and talking have to talk, at the talk, same talk, time, talk, talk. right? That's how each of them winds down their nervous systems, creates security, right? Regulates their bodies so that they can find sleep. 
And so, so much about it after that compassion is getting curious. So figuring out what those needs are that I just kind of, or more specifically, maybe you can yeah. fine tune that understanding. And then sure. creativity is what we do. The, the One of the biggest parts in our upbringing collective um, membership community is the creativity part. Cause I think so many of us were so fried by the end of the day. We're so fried in general by life's demands, by work's demands, by relationship. Demands. And we're conditioned to just say, here's the plan or here's my idea. Yeah, totally. Here's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You take this, you take this, you do this, I you will, shut up. I will rah, 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 rah. This. I'm just going to dominate this. We don't really know. I think what you're saying, Kelsey, is that we don't necessarily feel that skilled in collaboratively figuring this stuff out with our kids. And that's what we do in the Upbringing Collective is we help empower you to figure out those conversations and those problem solving Mm -hmm. strategies that allow you and your kid to collaborate to meet the competing needs at play. So you have a four and a five year old at bedtime with competing needs, but you forgot somebody. You is the third person in that, in that Mm -hmm. dynamic, right? And your needs matter too. And so, so much about this is opening up and saying, all of this is doable. There is no major obstacle. We can figure all of this out, but we have to feel safe enough first. And that's the compassion step. We Mm -hmm. have to get aware of what the competing needs actually are. That's our curiosity step. Mm -hmm. And then we got to get creative and put all of our heads together and have that. That's what I love about the the collective is that it has a community of people who have tried so many things with their sensitive and strong-willed and neurodivergent kids. They have lots of ideas of what worked for them or didn't work for them Mm -hmm. that we can be trying because this is an ongoing experimentation it's a, that's the beautiful thing about these stress behaviors that we talk about with our kids is that they're, they wouldn't be a problem if they happened every now and then. Most of us who are here in this community on this Instagram live, listening mm-hmm. to this podcast, right? Working with us mm-hmm. have this happening all the time. So we get a lot of data and we also get a lot of opportunity to keep mm-hmm. practicing this over and over again and recalibrating and perfecting it over time so we can overcome these obstacles and, and also be prepared for based on the, the conditioning and patterning we've done with our kids through the three C's, we can solve the next challenge so much faster, the same formula. so much more peaceably, right? Yeah. I love that you're like, we have so many opportunities. Yay. And that's what the reframing really is, is saying <laughs> the yeah. more opportunities we have slash stressors we have slash challenging situations we have, the more chance we have to be actually building skills, actually building connection, yeah. actually moving through and above these things in a really great way. We talk about how parents who have really easygoing kids who don't challenge them do not build the skills that parents who have challenging kids do or can, mm-hmm. right? It's an opportunity for everyone whenever we can. It's a privilege as well to be able to focus on this stuff. And I Absolutely. love um, Department of Community. You mentioned, oh man, no one in my family knows about that third need. Even me, I rarely acknowledge myself in the equation. And you are a critical mm-hmm. aspect of that. So much of the work we do is re- remembering that we are an integral part and our needs are an integral part. They're not tanking the situation with our kids. Mm-hmm. They're actually a fundamental part that can find that need, that can find that key yeah. to meeting everybody's needs. Someone else said, I love that you mentioned the third person's need often overlooked, but an important example to set. And I think yeah. that that's what we work on in the Upbringing Collective too. A few more days for mm-hmm. our kind of founders rate. Mm-hmm. And I want to say that it's a huge part of how we kind of help people shift from that top down, I am in charge of everything, I need to do everything, I need to be be everything for everyone and fix things and order directives, all those things too. Can we all make this a more kind of democratic and egalitarian mm-hmm. space where everyone's needs matter? So what are you needing? What am I needing? What's your sibling needing? What's papa, mama, grandma, caregiver, whoever it is needing? 
And they start learning that kind of like language around human needs and, and that nonviolent com- communication skill around trying to meet mm-hmm. conflicting needs, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the magic is raising kids who go into any situation through our practice, mm-hmm. right? Saying, this is just unmet needs. We're going to figure this out. Oh, you want this thing, coworker? Oh, you want this thing, partner? Oh, I oh, want this thing. I want this thing. Mm-hmm. Let's figure this out. We can, we can figure this <clears throat> out. Yeah. Um, Rosemary, you said, I love you guys because you advocate for everyone, even the moms. Absolutely. Especially even and especially. And I think that's the beauty when we're back to our conversation on stress behaviors, mm-hmm. we're focusing a lot of this on our kids' stress behaviors. But let's be honest, we have our own stress behaviors as parents mm-hmm. where we're a little too short, where we resort to threats where we get a little bit handsy with them, maybe yeah. where we, you know, push them off of us Threaten. or, you know, uh, create space that maybe makes them insecure. Right. Mm-hmm. We have those stress behaviors too. And we're only human as well. If we are giving our kids compassion for the, the stress that their bodies experience and the behaviors that naturally and normally come from that, right. Until they can build better skills. We got to do the same thing for ourselves mm-hmm. as well. And we like to talk about someone who was in our community, um, was, mentioning how, how badly they feel when they lose their shit with their kids mm-hmm. and how they, they're just like, I don't know what to do in those moments. And a huge part of the collective is talking about in that processing step of our timeline, mm-hmm. the circle back with our kids, where we repair, where we process, mm-hmm. and remembering that this isn't where we're groveling and where we're saying we were wrong and terrible, where we're experiencing shame and teaching them that binary of victim and aggressor and right and wrong, but more of that that open idea of everyone's doing the best they can with the skills they possibly have. And that we're all doing the best we can. We're going to be doing better the more we talk about it. Mm-hmm. And our stress behavior as parents is actually a really beautiful opportunity to engage with our kids around the stress behavior conversation in a way mm-hmm. that's not always about them and their stress behaviors. And they're the problem mm-hmm. where we can say, Oh no, no, this is balanced. Our home is full of stress behaviors and people of all ages and sizes. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. This I is human. I love that you bring that up and it's come up often in the upbringing collective where we talk about naming those stress behaviors, current stress behaviors, because let's be honest, they shift for, for everyone, especially in those developing years for our kids. It's like you mentioned earlier, one second it's crying. One second it's clean. It's one second they're punching you in the face. Next second they're running out and slamming doors next. And then they're attacking you. And it's like, it's yeah. shifting throughout. Hard to keep up. Ours might actually be shifting too, but I love that idea that we've done with our families too, which is calling out stress languages and saying, when I'm stressed, I end up saying, why are you doing that? Why are you making that mess? Why are you this? Or, uh, I roll my eyes a lot. Uh, or when I'm stressed, I stomp around or when I'm stressed, I, I needle on something you're doing mm-hmm. or I get kind of shamey eyes like dagger, shamey dagger eyes. Mm-hmm. And I'm so sorry when I do that. Yeah. And your stress languages, <clears throat> how can we play that in a way that's, not condescending or patronizing or too playful, but how can we lighten those stress behaviors to show this is so human? Like one of our kids turns into a tiger, like they literally like at us, you know, one flees and we're worried about where they'll go, but bringing that into a safe space. So it's not the elephant in the room or the shame feeling filled kind of awareness of it builds awareness, builds Mm -hmm. empathy and compassion for each other's stress languages Mm -hmm. and an understanding that it's not about me. They're struggling. A lot of what you're talking about Kelsey too, is I think besides building that awareness with our kids about 
the, the just the normal stress behaviors that happen is also creating a plan to support stress behaviors mm -hmm. with them. So, so much about normalizing things that they're going to grow out, out of helps mm -hmm. them feel safer to come to the table to then figure out what else to do. Mm -hmm. And that's a huge part of what we do for us as parents and for our kids. How do we manage those stress behaviors? How do we prepare and prevent them through the environment, the routine, the nervous system, all those modifications that we want to do so mm -hmm. that we don't have to lose our shit. So our kids don't have to melt down or resort to those stress behaviors because their nervous systems are balanced. Their capacity is is you know met like right you said, sorry to interrupt you oh, but you okay. said routine environment and nervous oh, system yeah. stuff but the fourth is approach yeah. which often comes up in our community where we realize i was kind of a dick like i kind of controlled over on that mm -hmm. and that literally created the explosion and the resistance and mm -hmm. the stuff so There's i don't so want to undermine that that's an element of it too is questioning ourselves in a really safe <clears throat> lovely way of saying sure. how did i maybe potentially contribute to this or what was my need or what were my expectations or how stressed was i in that moment right. again no shame or blame and so this you know kind of um problem solving approach that we have before when we're in preparation mode prevention mode or after when we're in processing mm -hmm. mode can help us and our kids figure out how to feel better and do better next time Mm -hmm. Right. So we talk about having a place for them to run if they're a runner, when they're stressed, mm -hmm. when they go to flight. Right. We talked about, you know, regulating their nervous systems earlier if they're fight. That's their stress response so that they don't resort to freaking out on their sibling. Or we work the environment and the routine to separate mm -hmm. them and have a little space between them and their siblings when it's a more stressful time of day. Mm -hmm. So we do all of these recalibrations to better support um, parents and their kids. And then they start figuring all of those things out. And then kids, this is the beauty of it, mm -hmm. is that when we bring the topic of stress behaviors instead of just misbehavior onto the table and into mm -hmm. our family culture, our kids start engaging with it and talking about it and figuring out what they need and their siblings need and we need mm -hmm. so much more. It's amazing. It's really amazing. It's like we've been talking a lot. I get just, I'm so... Um, <laughs> I get really, really inspired and impassioned about mm -hmm. talking about stress behavior because it's so culturally misunderstood. Mm -hmm. Because conventional parenting um, is completely um, just missing the mark in understanding and responding appropriately and neurodevelopmentally to our kids' stress behavior. And I think it also, our culture goes really hard, like we're talking about Rosemary, on our stress behavior as parents mm -hmm. when we yell or when we threaten or when we do things that don't feel well and mm -hmm. feel good and we go hard on ourselves and mm -hmm. we don't need to go hard on ourselves or our kids. That's the beauty of seeing this as a stress response what it, for what it truly is, mm -hmm. a nervous system response rather than intention or lack of information. Maliciousness. Or, yeah, or, or yeah. you know, any of those things. It's none of that for us I or for that. our kids. So um, this has been fun. Um, for those of you who uh, are noticing and thinking, wow, okay, so a lot of stress behavior has been going on with my kids, with me. What do we actually do about it, right? We hopefully have given you some ideas tonight um, in this live and podcast of opening up the timeline and getting compassionate for us and our kids when we're stressed out, curious about why we might be stressed. What factors might be impacting us? Because if we can figure out what those factors might be for us and our kids, we might be able to recalibrate them a little bit. Mm -hmm. And that's where we get creative. That third C in our program, in the collective and in our coaching, is saying how can we support our kids and ourselves to say environment, routine, 
nervous system and our relationships and approaches with one another. What can we do to shift those so we can all feel better in our bodies and safer? Mm-hmm. And when we feel safer in our bodies, we can do better in our environments with other people. That's true. And I want to say that in that kind of thinking of the timeline, preparation, presence, and processing, that presence, feeling better to do better, is not, I don't want to say the last thing that changes, but a lot of our work is around preparing Mm. and post-processing often the exact same thing. And saying in the moment, we're good. Just do the best you can. Just do the best you can. Just try not to add, try to be cool, Try to apologize as quick as you can. Mm-hmm. Try to de-escalate. But whatever happens in the moment, carte blanche, like to you Everyone and your kids, it's okay. It's stress. Stress is contagious, like we said at the beginning yeah. of this live, right? And so we can only do the best that we can. And what we can really do the most work is what you're saying, mm-hmm. Kelty, is when our that's minds are actually regulated and our bodies do feel safe, mm-hmm. right? And so that's the work we do in our collective when we're all regulated and talking and figuring mm-hmm. all of these things out and doing the detective work together, mm-hmm. right? We do not have to show up perfectly every time and we never will. And we can't expect our kids to do that either. We're all only human. We're doing the best we can. And the work goes outside the moment to really understand our nervous systems and our needs, to understand the obstacles that are put our, our nervous systems at risk and make us feel insecure that lead to those behaviors that we don't want to do and that our kids don't want to do. And it starts leaking into the center. So yeah. preparation and processing at the end, presence in the middle, will slowly begin working toward that middle. Mm-hmm. Soon we'll be like, I don't want to yell. I don't want to yell. And I'm going to yell. And you're like, great, that's amazing <laughs> yeah. awareness. Or, totally. oh my gosh, I see my kids simmering. And I'm starting to go back on it and I can't work back and they're going to blow. And we're noticing outside the moment, those signs, right? It's all progress. It's all, it's all amazing though. We do start showing up differently. Eventually our kids do start showing up differently. We start building self-regulation and the co-regulation we give them whenever we possibly can start supporting them in building their own self-awareness practice and self-regulation practice. And that helps them build an awareness practice of other people mm-hmm. and a co-regulation pro- process for other people too that can be really supportive. I love that. Molly yeah. said, honestly, as a therapist, so much of my sessions are normalizing. Yeah, that makes sense, which is what you're saying. Gosh, yeah. Our challenges really do make a lot of sense and they're incredibly normal. And so much about what we represent here at Upbringing and what we offer in our collective um, in our membership community is normalizing the regular things that nobody talks about in parenting sensitive, strong-willed, and neurodivergent kids that, that is required and that happens in parenting any kid as someone who has experienced their own trauma or who is neurodivergent or who is sensitive or who is strong-willed or who is, you know, underprivileged, right? We're all doing the best we can with the skills we currently have and the history we have and the environment we're in. And the nervous system situation that we're Mm -hmm. experiencing. Absolutely. Which is such a big part of the stress that we're talking about. And that's the puzzle that we all get to work with together day by day, challenge by challenge, right? Moment by moment. And then over time, right? This isn't something that we can like think about once and it gets better. This isn't something that we can like have a talk about and then it should be good. Right? This is something we need to kind of, if and when we have the privilege and the time and the capacity, dig into a little bit. So if you're somebody who's like thinking, this has been bothering me, my relationship with my kid, my response to their stress behaviors, my partner's response to their stress behaviors or my stress behaviors, maybe it's time 
for you to want to dig in. Or maybe you're ready to dig in. Digging in sounds so hard. Well, really? I just think I love gardening and, and stuff. So I'm always like dirt and earth. I and don't like know. Doing that. And someone what says, would be a better if metaphor? we have the compassion for ourselves, we can stay in the work to grow through it. I mm-hmm. think compassion for ourselves is a huge element of it. Yeah. Like you said, Hannah, privilege, time, all of those things. Security, though. Security to Security, move financial, emotional, logistical, logistical all the, again, all the things. Again, we need security to feel better, to do better. Even just this work, let alone showing up with yeah. our kids in a particular way. I don't way. know. I wouldn't say we could, you know, we have a lot of um, testimonials on our website talking about the Upbringing Collective and the members' feedback through it. And I don't think that a lot of it is characterized by digging in necessarily. Mm. Maybe there are elements of that. Maybe easing in. But I think a lot of it would be easing in or making ease Mm -hmm. honestly like letting go of a lot of things you thought were really important that are maybe harming your situation or your relationship with your kids letting go of stuff easing up feeling better whether things are shifting or not feeling more in relationship like those are the the things that come to me immediately is letting go and feeling better and feeling closer Mm -hmm. even before things go better or we do better Right again. This isn't all about behavior. This is about understanding the 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 drivers of behavior, understanding yeah. the needs and feelings that matter so much beneath all of the behaviors of us and our kids. Yeah, I feel like digging in is like this active mm. phrase, and I feel like so much of it is Allowing. coming back and just mm. letting letting yeah. things come in. Is leaning out as much as we lean in, mm-hmm. or choosing where that that line is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, feeling safe in our bodies, we can do a lot of things. We can allow and we can get active, mm-hmm. right? I feel lean like we're in, getting a little meta now. Mm-hmm. It's time for bed. Yes. We're getting tech, uh, We're getting little comments from our family. It's bedtime. <laughs> yeah. Time to go. It was great to connect with all of you. For those of you who are feeling like you need support with those stress behaviors of yours and your kids or your mm-hmm. partners and are, are wanting that extra support, that community, that village, right? We're here to support you. We are here for you through weekly group coaching calls, through all the forums based on topic of biggest challenge where we've left support, where other members have left support over the past year that you can join, right? Having it in your back pocket to to jump into whatever works for you to dig in or to lean back or whatever Mm -hmm. metaphor works for you, we're here. So um, check out our website, upbringing.co, so you can learn more about the membership. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure it's in our link in bio here on Instagram also, Mm -hmm. and it'll be linked on the podcast. We're all growing up together. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Bye, everybody. We'll be back next week.